Hell Yes Lifers, is one of your goals in 2020 to become a Hell Yes speaker? Well, if so, then you'll want to grab a free cheat sheet I've put together for you. It's called Start With a Bang, Seven Tips to Help You Captivate Your Audience from the Start. Head over to hellyeslife.com to download your free cheat sheet right now. All right, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast, where you'll hear inspiring stories and life lessons from amazing Hell Yes entrepreneurs who are running their for-purpose businesses and living their Hell Yes lives. I'm your host, Norman Bell. Hey there, Hell Yes Lifers. It's time for another episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. I am your host, Norman Bell, and I am super excited as usual because I've always got great guests on the podcast. Uh, And this week I have uh, Miha Matlievsky. Now, Miha is otherwise known as the fail coach and as a trusted advisor to over 3,500 hundred entrepreneurs worldwide. Miha helps them lay down the foundation for the freedom they are seeking. And we're going to get into um, the, uh, in the interview, we're going to hear Miha's story and why he is uh, called the fail coach. And this is great because Miha, this, this month, it, this theme has kind of been coming up uh, for the, uh, the podcast and for myself around rejection and failure. So I'll, I'll love to get your take on it. So Miha, welcome to the podcast. Well, hello, Norman. It's a pleasure to be here, uh, to be your guest. Um, And yeah, um, hell yes. Hell yes. All right, let's get into it. And by the way, you are, where where are you? um, uh, Where are you right now in the world? Just so I'm currently for the past two and a half years, I live in Serbia. uh, Because one of my, my hell yes things is saving dogs from the streets and finding them new homes. So that's a big part of uh, why I do what I do. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, great. We'll get to that, that part later. And um, I always just like to note when someone is, is further afield than, you know, just in the United States, because this is definitely, you know, we're living our hell yes lives internationally, right? So great. Thanks yes. for joining us from Serbia. And I always like to, we're going to get into your whole story, but I always like to um, start off by asking my guests, what is your hell yes? And by that, I mean, what is that thing that really lights you up and makes you come alive? Um, it's actually failure. Um, yeah. And the reason why is because I went through a lot of failure. Failure. I had a very unhealthy relationship with failure, um, like most people. Um, because of that, I almost committed suicide. I was seconds away from it um, on multiple occasions, but on that last one, really seconds away. Um, and when I started sharing my story a few years after that incident, when, you know, after the long recovery, so many people reached back out to me, you know, like either sharing their stories with me for the first time or uh, family members whose fathers or, or wives or uh, mothers um, 
didn't have the aha moment and did commit suicide and they never could understand why they would do something like that. And they said, you know, like now hearing you, your story, like what you went through, what was going in your head and why you were seriously thinking about committing suicide uh, gives us some peace, some closure. And so uh, one of my biggest whys, like the biggest why is one day I would like to break the taboo called failure. I want to start my uh, non-profitable organization called Failures Anonymous, Mm. which would be very similar to AA meetings, just FA meetings, uh, closed groups, small amount of people Mm. sharing, talking about failures. And uh, yeah, that, that's something why I wake up every morning and I do what I do and uh, I'm more and more passionate about it. I love it, Miha. And I, I really love your, um, you know, just, just putting it out there like, hey, this is what I've experienced. And, um, you know, I'll just be candid and say I've experienced deep depression and, and suicidal ideation and, and so forth. And I didn't really think about it until you were talking there. But I guess it, it, it was triggered by um, a rejection or a failure in my life. And I'm, I'm very thankful to be here today and talking to you now. And so, um, so why don't we back up a little bit? I usually ask, when, do you re- when did you realize that this was your hell yes? And um, I think you have a kind of a story to tell that, that led up to this sort of crisis point in your life. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, go ahead, t- t- uh, tell us your story. Um, well, the first to answer your question, uh, so my uh, suicide moment and then my aha moment, that was in the spring of 2010. Uh, then a very long journey of self-development and business development followed. And it was only, I think it was like uh, the, the second half of 2014 when I first shared my story. And it was not because I shared the story, it was what I saw, how people are coming and, and talking with me and, and telling me their stories for the first time. And I remember how back when things were happening to me, I was holding everything inside and there was this constipation of energy in me. Uh, you know, just you can't just go to, the, um, uh, to, to buy some pills and then do the boom, boom. Um, so it, it was really me having a discussion on that balcony with myself but out loud that started the process and for i know that whenever we are faced with failure that that's just really a a highly emotional reaction to something not going the way we planned um we we tend to put that in keep that inside and the healing starts when we open up and Mm. when i realized that I had this aha moment where I said, I need to do this. This is what I need to do. I have no problem opening up and telling my story anymore, not in a superficial way, but the way it was with all the ups and the downs and emotions and everything, that's what I need to do. And that's kind of like when I found that, that whole purpose in life. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So it was, the key was really uh, um, about opening up and sharing your story uh, 
you know, ups and downs, every, every piece of it. Uh, and, and out of that, what you have now is, has come out of that. That's great. Yeah. Um, but then if we go to the story, yeah. um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quicker version, but then, you know, like just dive wherever you want. Sure. Um, so I dropped out of high school, um, and started my entrepreneurial journey in my father's small business. Um, um, I was more or less stunned by occupation, enjoying the life, partying and all of that. And then suddenly my father was diagnosed with uh, uh, pancreatic cancer. And three weeks later, he was dead. Um, I had no time to figure out how do you run a company. And so, of course, things didn't go well. Uh, the company started failing very soon. Um, going towards bankruptcy, but I was lucky enough. I met a few people who saw something in, in that Nika uh, and they said, okay, we'll invest something in it. We'll take over the share and, you know, uh, you do what you do and, and let's pick this up again. And things really started working really well. I discovered that I am really good when it comes to networking, creating relationships, sales in a non-salesy way and so on. And yeah, things started to go really well. I was doing 100, 150, 200% more and more of revenue month after month after month. And in just a few months time, life was beautiful again. You know, a lot of money, credit cards, uh, trips, uh, Michelin star restaurants, you name it. I was living the life and I was like, what, 20 something, you know, I was flying high. And uh, the thing was, I never really took that lesson that life brought me with that passing of my father and me not knowing anything about running a business. Suddenly, I felt, oh, I'm so good at sales. I can be an entrepreneur. You know, I can run a company. I'm that good. And so I started creating new companies, new projects. And uh, at that time, things were really good, doing well for me. Each of those companies went easily past seven figures in yearly revenue, past eight, and so on. And so it was really wonderful. And I thought, wow, look at me. I'm so amazing. But what I didn't realize, what I know now, is I was just riding the very good, positive macroeconomic wave at that time. Very similar to what we have right now. Right now, it's really hard to go bankrupt with, you know, Real estate is rising, shares are rising, everything is booming. It's really hard to mess up right now. Uh, and so the biggest point there was my companies had no foundation, no solid business foundation, what every company needs to have. So I, I often refer to my companies back then as that first house from the Three Little Pig story made out of straw. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when, when the crisis came, when the first wind blew, everything fell apart. They were all connected together. They were all co-signing for one big loan for one of the companies that was in real estate. I was doing this huge project. I was caught in the middle. The bank made a new calculation. They saw, oh, Micha, you are building for more money than you will be able to sell. Uh, we want. We just want to end this and go out sooner than later. And because you know, in Europe, you kind when you sign up for a loan, and I had everything my on my own signed up to that loan as well. All my equity, everything was uh, tied to that agreement. 
And in Europe, when you sign that loan, you kind of like pre-approve uh, the bank to when, when, you know, if they want the money and you don't pay them back, they can just go straight to your other bank accounts and just take stuff from you. Oh, wow. um, it, yeah, it's this financial instrument. I don't know if, it's, it's, if you guys in the U.S. use anything like it, but, but in Europe, it's quite common for the banks to, to want that when you sign for a loan. And so that was Monday, December 7th, uh, 2009. I got that call from the bank and next day, domino effect, everything was gone. Um, and I ended up, because of all the things that I co-signed as well, I ended up owing roughly 5 million US. Um, and instead of to one bank, to what felt like half of the country, to my former employees, suppliers, taxes, like, you know, you know. And at first I didn't realize, you know, like, oh, this happened. I was like, no, I can solve this. You know, I can, I can figure out a way I can solve it. But, you know, as the days went by, as the weeks went by, uh, uh, I had less and less options on the piece of paper. Like, what are my options to do? Um, phone calls turned from, you know, like we're just checking up to, hey, we're going to sue you to then later on, uh, we will do different crazy stuff to you. Um, and, you know, you wake up in the morning, you wake up to your phone ringing, um, you, you go into depression, you go into anxiety. I mean, I was in that permanent state of depression and anxiety for months. And then, you know, suddenly, slowly, that darkness starts creeping in. You don't see any way out. You don't you stop seeing any options. You stop seeing any light on the other side of the tunnel. And then, you know, fast forward another few weeks and you start wondering, like, what's the point? You know, like, uh, did I use the good part of the life? And now this is it. Like, this is it for the rest of my life. And then, you know, why even bother? What, is it worth living like this, you know? Especially knowing that good side that I lived uh, just a few months ago. And I remember, um, I, I'm just going to give you two little details just to, for the audience to have an idea how, how uh, that nuclear reaction in my head was on the verge of exploding. Like, I remember at one time, a good friend of mine called me to invite me to his birthday a few weeks later. And I, my mouth opened. I wanted to say yes, but I was physically, no voice came out because my head was, what are you doing? You might not even be alive tomorrow. Like, I was like dead serious that, you know, every day can be my last day. Mm. Um, or the second thing, um, on Friday evening, usually the phone calls would stop until Monday morning. And you would think, you know, oh, wow, weekend, you know, relax, like a little bit of peace and quiet. But no, you know, I was always, already dreading what will be on a Monday morning. And I was trying to <clears throat> artificially prolong the weekend by trying not to sleep the whole weekend. Mm. Just so that, you know, you go to sleep, bam, you wake up, eight hours are gone. Um, and so I tried not to go to sleep just so that the weekend would last, that the feeling of the weekend would last longer. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So just a few things. And then, yes, a bit, a few more weeks later, that was spring of 2010. I mean, I had crazy ideas uh, about suicide often uh, when I was uh, in a car 
I was just thinking like, you know, the truck is coming in, in from the other direction, just, you know, uh, turn the wheel. Um, and then the car was taken away. And then uh, it was about two weeks before my apartment will be taken away. And I was there on the balcony smoking a cigarette, you know, just being in my head in, with my uh, um, monologues and, and, and everything. And I just started climbing on the other side of the balcony. Oh, wow. And I was like, like holding myself with one hand, just, you know, tilted like 45 degrees over the edge and just looking down. And I was, I, honestly, at that time, I was wondering if I jump because this was fifth floor, <clears throat> is that enough? You know, like, will I end this or I will fail at this as well and end up on a wheelchair and, and you know, my intention will not be fulfilled. Um, and then as I was, you know, wondering like that, I had this out loud dialogue or monologue or uh, it was, I, I was using a lot of very juicy words that I would rather not repeat on your podcast. Yeah, sure. You know, telling telling myself, you know, like you failed, you made all those mistakes, but in a much juicier language, out mm -hmm. loud. But the, the magical thing was hearing myself uh, say the word you. Because up to that moment, whenever something bad happened to me, I was always able to find something or somebody else to blame. Economy, crisis, politics ex-employees, you name it. But I always found something for somebody to blame uh, when something bad happened to me. And this was the first time when I really realized that <clears throat> it was all me. I had these flashes in my head, you know, like I signed that agreement, I made that choice and so on. And uh, it was the first time I really took ownership of my past mistakes. But on the other hand, that was so empowering because if I was able with all those mistakes to come to, you know, having 15 million US of personal network just a few months ago, if I change, if I, you know, change my habits, if I learn new stuff, if I make better decisions, I can do even bigger and even better. And so I climbed back in. I don't know. Maybe I was out on the other side of the balcony for a few minutes, maybe half an hour. I still don't know. Uh, but yeah, I climbed back in. I started writing everything down, what I need to do and what I need to change. And then this long journey started of first personal development. Because, you know, when, you're in a, you, when you are a business owner, when you own a business, the first pillar of that foundation is you, the entrepreneur. And so I had a lot to do on myself. Uh, soft skills, hard skills, uh, mindset, beliefs, uh, like plenty of things that I needed to either change or learn new or, or, or something. <clears throat> and then, of course, the business development that followed learning about how to lay down solid foundations and so on. And uh, then in 2014, it was actually uh, February 14th, uh, Friday, I... Um, we started a new company. It was an energy efficiency startup. So we were helping big corporations to save on how much electricity and gas they use. And I was able to scale that company from zero to multiple eight figures in less than a year to multiple nine figures next year and then sold it to a Fortune 100 company 
uh, repaid almost 7 million of past debts because, you know, interest rates and all of that uh, uh, was included as well. And then I suddenly found myself with this strange freedom. You know, uh, most people either have freedom of time or freedom of money. And I found myself having both. And that's when you have the ultimate freedom, the freedom of choice, when you choose what you want to do. And I realized that I'm just an entrepreneur, like deep down inside me, that's who I am. And um, I started going to meetups, to incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces. And I was just volunteering wherever I could help fellow entrepreneurs or network with them, brainstorm with them, chat with them, help them one-on-one -on -one in group settings. I started doing my own meetups and so on. Even when I was traveling just for fun, I would always go to a few meetups because it was just for me too boring to not be around entrepreneurs for a few days. Yeah. And um, yeah, it really felt like nothing else before when you help other people. You know, because before all those companies were my companies and, and it was like for me, but now I was helping others and I felt like a billionaire in mm. my heart. Mm. Mm. And, and so, yeah, one evening I was uh, having a few brewskis with a friend of mine and we were like, you know, what do I do now? Like everybody's expecting me to start a new company, to do something crazy again. Investors are calling me like, if you've come up with something great, we want to be there. We want to back you up. And he said, well, but you love doing this, you know, like just do this. Why wouldn't you? And it felt so good and it felt so great. And uh, yeah, the, the, the name Fail Coach is because everything that I've learned, everything that I've become, is because of those failures. And um, often I'm asked, you know, like now that you're the fail coach, do you not fail anymore? And I say, no, I fail way more. I, I do fail less extensively. Yeah. So I can recognize because of the foundations, I can recognize when things are not going the right way much sooner and react much sooner. But my whole way of thinking, my whole way how I view failure has changed 180 degrees. I don't go into any negative emotions. I don't go into any negative self-talk. I just breathe in, breathe out, and I start asking myself powerful, good questions. Um, why did this happen? What can I change? What can I learn? How can we do something differently? Do we have any answers? Should we go and ask somebody else? Uh, do we hire somebody to help us solve this? And so on and so on. But I go immediately, I, I take active role. And so one thing that I realized is when, when, you know, us entrepreneurs, we are the crazy ones, you know, like we have these crazy ideas and we want to change the world uh, in this and that way. And when you want to do something as big as that, you, you, can't, you, you won't do that inside your comfort zone. Like no magic ever happened in the comfort zone. So you have to push yourself so hard out of the comfort zone, nonstop. And when you're outside of the comfort zone, that's where you're doing things for the first, second, third time. Mm -hmm. Once you do it 10 times, it becomes your new comfort zone. Yep. And so that's where you're doing new stuff. When you're doing new stuff, it's much more likely that you will fail than succeed. So you, mm. you will definitely fail more 
then you will succeed. Of course, those successes will more than make up for all the failures. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the faster you fail, the more you fail, uh, the sooner you reach success. That's how, uh, you know, uh, that's why we say fail fast, fail forward. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is to establish that healthy relationship with failure um, view it for what it is, an amazing learning and growing experience. And uh, you, you must not uh, react with emotions. That's the key. So yeah. emotions are not good in, in, in this regard. So, being mind, uh, so practicing mindfulness where you're able <clears throat> to step away and not react on autopilot and then practicing emotional intelligence to know when emotions are good and when logic is good are two very key soft skill elements to having that uh, healthy relationship with failure. And that's it. That's the story. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Miha. And I really, um, you know, I have kind of storytelling and, and uh, you know, story coaching and in my background. And I, you know, I often tell people, to do what you just did is just be vulnerable, put yourself out there and, and uh, tell your full story. Like story, story is about conflict. It's about, um, you know, not just all the good stuff that happened in your life. And you, you really, um, yeah, you really kind of told your whole story there. And I think that uh, people must really resonate with that. Obviously it sounds like uh, that's, that's the case. And I'm sure that whether our listeners out there have gotten to that extreme point, actually, I hope that you haven't, uh, but uh, maybe, there, that maybe there are those of us that, that have. Um, whether you have or not, though, I'll bet you can uh, identify with Miha's story uh, that you've gotten to some point where you've experienced failure and you've let it overcome you. And we've been talking about this in general this month around how can we have a, a better relationship with failure and rejection? Um, and so, I, you know, I really appreciate your story. And I, I, um, I, maybe we'll go back into it at some point, but I do want to focus on this, this uh, where, where you're at now. You know, you're really helping people have this different relationship with failure. And so maybe you can unpack this a little bit. You talked about, um, uh, so let's, let's imagine there's somebody out there now just to give some practical, um, you know, a 101 advice that, that may be dealing with some failure. Maybe they've just failed or they're afraid of failing um, and it's keeping them inside their comfort zone. What, what kinds of things um, would, you, would you suggest? Is there any actions or anything to think about right off the bat? Well, I mean, when, they, when, when we jump on a call with, with those clients who have either gone through a lot of failure or who are fearing failure, my first thing is to take them out of the emotions and into the logic. Uh, because, you know, let's be honest, like I'll give you a very super simple example that I'm sure everybody can understand. So if I want to lose 10 pounds in the next 30 days, I mean, it wouldn't hurt me, but, you know, um, like um, if... I go to McDonald's every single day, that's doing all the wrong steps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, another example would be, I do eat healthy, but I go overboard. I eat, you know, um, 10 pounds of bananas and, 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 you know, 10 salads a day and this and that. So I am eating healthy food or what is considered healthy food, but my bottleneck is that I'm intaking too much calories 
And that's why I'm not hitting the goal again. So the, the only thing why you don't hit the goal is either you're doing the wrong step, your process is wrong, or you have bottlenecks that you need to discover to have that full flow throughout the whole process. And so when I'm dealing with clients who have had failure in the past and they don't own it, they, you know, they start saying, oh, the God doesn't want me to be successful and so on. No, it, it's not that. It really isn't. So I take them back into logic and I start walking them through the whole business development process. So when they tell me where was the failure, when did, where the failure happened in the business process, I know exactly what steps must happen before that. You know, and then I just walk them through all of that. And we, every single time, we find why they failed. And then once they see from a logical standpoint, like, I don't know, maybe I, I discover that all my ideal clients are on LinkedIn, but I'm pushing hard on Facebook ads. I mean, this is like an extreme example. Sure. But, and, and I'm not doing anything on LinkedIn, but they're all there and they're not using Facebook, well, you know, once they get this little aha moment, seeing what was wrong in the process, what they didn't try, what they failed to try, how they didn't, they saw that the step is wrong, but they kept doing it, and so on, uh, that's when we usually have the biggest aha moments, and then once we have those aha moments, then it's easy, because then when, when they start owning their failures, then it's okay. Now I understand why I failed. Now I can do something about it. Tell me what should I do? And then we go, you know, like uh, the, the first two things is mindfulness and emotional intelligence, because mm -hmm. that's so important because most of us human beings, we are either very emotional or very logical, but very few people are super grounded and super balanced. Very yeah. few. So, but to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to be that balanced, grounded person. You need both. Either you need to become both or you need to balance yourself out. Like, for example, I did learn how to become both in my last startup. And now, nowadays, I don't have to do it that way anymore because I have an amazing COO uh, who is helping me in, in, in my business um, and I can be the emotional and the crazy creative entrepreneur, but I have her alongside of me and she's amazing at the operational, at the boring stuff. I do understand all of that. I hate doing that. And for most entrepreneurs, it's either they're on the logical side, but then they're not that good when it, emotions are needed or they're the... Um, Elon Musk's of the entrepreneurship, you know, crazy ideas, uh, passionate, all of that, but they hate doing the boring stuff. So either one is usually missing. Now, like I said, you either have to balance both out in yourself. If you don't have the resources, like I didn't have the, re didn't have the resources in my last startup in the beginning. So I had to balance myself to that point. Or you can solve that by hiring or partnering, joint venturing, whatever, with somebody on that particular thing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like then everything is easy. The, the, the biggest part is realizing that, you know, it's not God, it's not politics, it's not the government, that 
just owing that that maybe your process wasn't right or you didn't find and discover and eliminate bottlenecks from the process. It's either of those two things. Nothing else can be wrong. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, or maybe, you know, like if we say my goal is to go to Mars in one year, I mean, we all know that that's undoable. So, you know, goals, I, I use that smart technique for setting goals. And, and one of the things is, of course, attainable. Uh, yeah. Now, of course, you, you, you say, okay, this is the realistic one. Let's add 10, 15% so that we push ourselves. But I mean, honestly, yeah, I mean, I can't say, you know, I'm going to uh, uh, take Mount Everest and uh, put it in, in Chile. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. Let's do it. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So, exactly. so either you have a crazy goal that has nothing to do with any reality <laughs> um, or something is wrong in the process. You're either doing the wrong step or there are bottlenecks that you don't know where they are. Okay, good. Well, let's break this down just a little bit. So uh, you were talking about this. I, I really identify with this idea of ownership because I, uh, you know, part of my process has been realizing like, wow, I play victim quite a lot or I have in the past, you know, it's just like, oh God, why is this happening to me? And I could, I could go into reasons why I, you know, it's like, oh, I'm kind of following a, a family pattern there. But um but, you know, so taking, I, I found that to be the case for, for myself, like really that, like that, essentially that aha moment that you had at one of your, at your darkest moment there was I, right? Like I, you know, was the person that, that had made these decisions. And that's an empowering uh, realization, isn't it? Because yeah. it's like, well, yeah. if I made those decisions, I can make different decisions as opposed to yeah. feeling but like But not everybody's capable of doing that ownership so yeah. if, if, but but the thing is until you are open and willing and ready to uh, own your mistakes uh, and take that to the extreme extreme ownership uh, you'll stay in that mindset and and there's no way anybody can help you so you were mentioning that you, when you work with people, you show them the logical, like, hey, here's what happened and why this didn't work. Which part comes first? They take ownership of it and then they see that or uh, they're swimming around, they feel kind of victimized by the situation, but then this, you know, seeing the logical uh, uh, situation helps them have that moment of, oh, okay, wait um, a second. Or does it? The thing is, I just ask questions. I don't tell them, you know, like, oh, you did this wrong. No, but I learned how to ask good questions so that they come up and they say, oh my God, this is something I didn't try. And that then triggers the aha moment. Oh my God, it was all my fault. Mm-hmm. So it, it usually happens in, 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 in that way. But right. yeah, without, without coming to that point, you, you can't really help them. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the people out there listening could come and work with you, but let's say just, you know, kind of in a um, uh, earlier step, just anything that they could do on their own. You mentioned mindfulness, you mentioned emotional intelligence. What are some things that, that people could do to just, you know, even like a small thing they could do today if they're feeling like, oh, I just failed or I'm afraid of failing uh, to, to work with that in a different way? Well, I mean, there's only two things that I can think of. So 
either you need to do some business development analysis or some SWOT analysis, uh, pluses and minuses, like even in a simple way, you know, like if you are fearing failure, you need to do some homework. It, it doesn't work any other way. And, and the homework is business development. No matter how small or big your idea, you have to go through those steps. Like, you know, the first step, do I have a product market fit? If I don't, well, why would I continue going forward? Because, you know, it doesn't make sense. Can I validate that? So, so the thing is, um, I mean, there isn't like a simple thing where I would say like just, oh, write something down on your sticky note and, and go do it. I mean, that's something if you're procrastinating. But, you know, when you're fearing business failure, you need to do some solid business development. Now, if you can do that yourself, great. If you can't, find somebody who can help you with that. Okay. Uh, it, it, it doesn't work. Uh, I mean, you know, like, uh, yes, mindfulness, yes, emotional intelligence, but that's, those are two skills that need a lot of practicing. That's not something you uh, decide today, I'm going to be mindful and bam, from tomorrow you're mindful. It takes a lot of practice to become uh, a mindful throughout the day. And when, even when the worst things happen to you, you're able to just do, you know, like that. Boom, boom, and, and, and clear your head and say, okay, what can I learn from this? What lesson is in, in, in this for me? Uh, it takes a lot of practice to come to that point. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we're not um, looking for, uh, you know, a uh, instant enlightenment here or anything like that. But maybe there's something we could do just to, if, if you're not already cultivating a uh, mindfulness practice, that's something that uh, that you could get started on. Um, er earlier, you know, uh, this month, I was talking a little bit about this, uh, you know, kind of cultivating a willingness to to face rejection and failure. And I was using as an example, I'm not like the hugest football fan, but I've just found myself kind of following uh, American football here. And it, I'm here in Seattle, we have um, Russell Wilson as the quarterback of the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and him and then also the guy that just was the quarterback of the, the, the team that won the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes. I noticed that they both have this um, ability, no matter, you know, they're going into the fourth quarter, their team is down, you know, down 10, 20 points. Points, uh, and and yet they they maybe they and maybe they um, they fail uh, to get a, a pass or you know move forward, but they have this ability to just kind of reset each time and come come back to baseline and really have that kind of detached um, uh, perspective that I think you're talking about there. And I you know yes. I'm I'm not a Buddhist, but I I uh, I see that in myself like. Uh, and and was encouraging our listeners to to maybe cultivate that a little bit, not getting whipped around by life so much, right? Uh, because we can we can it's, go on. It's a really everything is your decision. Yeah, you know, like being mindful will help you to really put yourself in the driver's seat. Now you might be losing, but you know, like you can say to yourself, okay, at least I have to try. You know, like, like with my goals and dreams, I probably won't see them happen in my lifetime, but I will sooner die than stop going for my dreams. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and 
You choose whether you want to focus on the plus or on the minus. It's all you. Like now you can let your autopilot decide, which will, which will usually go into the negative, or you can be in the driver's seat. Mindfulness is the only tool that I know that helps you to step away from the current moment as it's happening and decide actively how you want to react or how, what you want to do and, and, and stop the autopilot. Your autopilot got you where you are. That's your autopilot. I mean, you know, like where you are today is, is not something that just happened. It's a culmination of all the little steps you were doing throughout your lifetime, the decisions, yeah. the steps, and so on. And so if you want to change your future, because you can't change your past, you can only learn from the past and then use those lessons in, in making mindful decisions going forward. So if I go back to you know, that 10, 10 pounds thing, uh, if every single time when I switch on the TV, I go and eat potato chips, I can maybe now either force myself to buy healthier snacks, healthier things, beforehand like i can maybe choose not to watch tv if that's the pattern then only when i'm watching tv i go for potato chips like there's plenty of things how you can play this out but it's it's you being mindful about it if you let your autopilot win if you're not mindful you'll turn on the tv and you'll open the bag of chips those you know th those are these neuro connections that we develop through time everything we do is a habit even the little things you know we if we keep repeating them that's a habit and the more we do it i know that a coach uh that i worked with told me uh this example like if you look at those ropes that are uh tying the ship to to marina um if you would cut it it's it's this little little uh, uh piece of uh, how do you call that fiber uh, maybe yeah fiber yeah sorry english still just my third language so sometimes are you I doing great stuck a little yeah. bit yeah uh, so you know like that 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 small piece of fiber but you know then more and more and more and you get that big piece of rope sure. and and it's holding the ship and that's what happens so whenever we repeat things we are creating that big rope yeah. And so if we want to cut that row, we need to make better, different decisions. And if you let your autopilot win, you can't really make different decisions because uh, our normal reaction is for the autopilot to win. Right. Because um, our brain, I guess, or our body is trying to use as little energy as possible. And well, the way I explain this is that our conscious mind, where we make conscious decisions, that's like that old hard drive, not the new SSD, but you know, the old ones where with the spinning in, inside. And, and our subconscious mind, where our autopilot is, is like the RAM modules, you know? And so if you remember an old Windows computer, when you would open uh, Microsoft Word, it would take, I don't know, for ages to open up but once it was open if you closed it and open it again because it was loaded into 
REM, uh, it opened instantly. And so, you know, our body goes to what's instantly available. And, and so we need to break that pattern and we need to be mindful. And th that's where the whole thing starts. Yeah. And then emotional intelligence, it's just helpful because what I see in most people is that we use emotions when logic is needed and logic when emotions are needed. Mm. We, we, I don't know why, but we choose the wrong thing. So when failure happens, we become all emotional instead of being logical and focus on the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I failed. Hmm. What did I miss in the process? Right. So it sounds like, is that something that you, when you're working with people, you help them, you know, that, that would be a great thing to, to have as start, uh, you know, to build this muscle or whatever you want to say of like, Oh, I had a failure. And instead of going down this emotional path that we, we, you know, is sort of our autopilot that you're building this new, um, you know, first reaction of, Oh, okay. I'm going to, that's a sign for me to go into my logical mode and start to look at, uh, what happened there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I am a business coach, but to be honest, like I think probably 60, 70% of my work with my clients is more life coaching, more work on themselves, on the mindset and so yeah. on. Yes, we go into scaling and foundation and all of that, of course, as well. But I think that majority of the time we definitely spend on them. Yeah. Well, so as we start to wind down, Miha, and thanks so much for, for um, unpacking your story. And I'm sure you know, our listeners have already gotten a lot out of uh, this, this discussion about failure. Um, I always, you know, I often will ask my guests um, if you have a, I call this your, your it's kind of your hell yes vision or your cringe worthy vision, as I sometimes call it, a vision so big, it makes you cringe to think about sharing it with other people. Now you already kind of mentioned a, a, a potential vision. I'm not sure if this, this would fit that category category, but you talked about uh, failure anonymous. So, um, uh, you know, maybe that's it, but do you, do you have a cringeworthy vision? Um, I, I, I have like two whys. The one, one cringeworthy is that failure is anonymous. And this is because I was there and, and, and I would love to help others not to get to that point. Yeah. Um, and then the second, I was, as I was working on rebuilding myself, so this was already when I was, you know, out of the worst, but, you know, still on the path to working on myself, on my business development, I decided to adopt a dog. And oh, that yeah. dog did, did wonders for me. Uh -huh. in, in Like everybody says, you know, like, oh, you saved him, you helped him. But it was really he who saved me mm -hmm. uh, because because of him. I started working more on myself because of I loved him more than I loved myself. I had no love for myself. And because of that, I started then in, in, in return loving myself more and more and more and, and so on. So he, he's like my, my angel. And after that, I adopted, now I have four dogs. And ah. I'm, re I'm, I'm really uh, big on, on this whole animal thing. So my second why is a bit more intimate is, my way, now this will be probably very wrong English, but my way of giving back to the animal community. Yeah, um, no, that's, that's great. Oh, oh, okay, cool. So yeah, I mean, uh, I want to build shelters 
no kill, uh, adoption only. I want to employ, you know, social media managers and, and, and videographers and, and people who will, you know, put those animals. And then I want to buy uh, vans, transform them into mobile veterinarian clinics, uh, uh, employ veterinarians, send them all over the place um, to villages and so on. Uh, so yeah, th this one is like more personal to me because of everything that 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 happy gave me through our relationship. I mean, and he's still giving me. Of course, he's still with me. Um, and and the second one, uh, the the failures anonymous. That one is more like uh, outwards. Uh, um, uh, why? Wow. Wow. I'm really glad I asked that question. And it was, uh, you know, but actually both of those visions are really awesome. But the, the one about the, uh, your, your dog and, and what you want to do uh, for, for other dogs, I could really see you light up when you were talking about that. So I was, I, I was, that's one of my favorite things as a coach to notice is when people are really, you know, it, it enlivens them to, to uh, talk about certain ideas. Um, well, that is awesome. So that you want to do that, um, that vision that you have about dogs in Serbia is that right um no this is just or, where or, or, or. I would love to start and, and yeah. then um go Asia go South America I mean uh yeah uh, grow it into a worldwide organization um taking care and not just about dogs like uh, um I started with adopting a dog but I like you know most people, you're either a dog or a cat person. I, I just love all animals, yeah. regardless uh, of, you know, I, I don't like my girlfriend is, is sometimes uh, uh, all nervous because I give names to little spiders just so that she wouldn't kill them. Because, I mean, you know, if, if you say, oh, look, it's spider. But if you say, look, there's Johnny. <laughs> you know that, that that's a personality you can't kill that oh so yeah then, you know i run around with a piece of paper and try to get them and, and take them outside and, and so oh, on yeah. so yeah um all animals but yeah i just want to do a lot in in the regards to animal rescue what's the name of the the dog that you um that you happy adopted? Happy. Okay. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was thinking of a bumper sticker that I've seen often, which is who saved who, right? Like, just like you, you, you rescued him, but it sounds like he rescued you too. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. my angel. Can you, I, I, I mean, I'll bet there's a lot of um, uh, animal uh, lovers out there and owners, and I have a couple of cats too. By the way, one of my cats, I, my theory is he's a dog inside a cat's body, but just the way that he acts, Pippin. Okay. Anyway, I just want to shout out for Pippin and Panther. We love you. Um, and um, what, um, what, what, what was the, that, um, what did you get out of Happy that, that kind of, you know, at that, that, you know, kind of crucial moment in your life? Uh, do you have a like the thing was I mean at, at that time I was quite a loner I was just focused on getting myself out of that depth and just working myself uh, I was you know living on the verge of burning out but just going kept going kept going kept going and when I adopted like I adopted him uh, a funny story like why do we guys do stupid things well because you know we fancy a lady and right. there was this one lady I fancied and she was about, you know, animal rescue. I knew nothing about that before her. And, you know, I thought, oh, if I adopt a dog, you know, like <laughs> she will come visit us. That didn't happen. But, you know, I, 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 I 
I, I started loving that, that bundle of joy so much. And, and because of him, I needed to go outside, you know, to walk him. Mm. And because of that, I started seeing other people, other animal walkers and, and so on. And, you know, like we would meet and hang out and, and talk and I became more social. And then I remember one day we were returning back from our walk and I always had him on this very long leash. Uh, now seven meter long leash. I don't know how many feet or yards 20, or whatever 20 that feet, is. Twenty feet. Yeah. Okay. So quite long, and you know he saw a piece of pizza on the floor um, in the park, probably a few days old, and he went for it. And before I was able to react, he already gulped it down. And I started <laughs> yelling at him. You know, like I cook for you every day. I buy. <laughs> this imported food from God knows where just for you. And, you know, like, what are you doing? But again, in that moment, something came into my head, like, oh my God, but, you know, I, because I'm working so much, I just order burgers and pizzas. I'm putting all that stuff in me. And then, you know, like things, like this is how my mind usually works. So, you know, then my next thought, oh my God, do I love happy more than I love myself? Yes, but then next part, <laughs> but if I don't do something about me, I mean, he's a mix. He's a, you know, like those mixes, they live almost forever, you know? <laughs> so if, if I don't do something, well, where will he go? Like, well, you know, like what will happen with him? And because of that, I started taking way better care of myself and, and, and things like that. And because of that, you know, I became more and more conscious and, and, and then I started actually loving myself and, and so on. So, so it was a process, uh, but yeah, like uh, a lot of things that I have to be thankful to him. Oh boy. Yeah, that's great. I, I just, um, uh, an, animals are, it can, it can be such a, a um, uh, teachers in our lives in a lot of ways. And maybe just to tie it back into everything else we've talked about. I mean, I, I think it, it, animals can be like, they're grounded in the present moment. You know, I don't think they take failure personally, um, et cetera. So there's a lot that we can learn there. And of course, the love that we feel and receive from animals is, is amazing. So thanks for sharing that. Yes. Well, um, as we wind down, I always like to um, give our guests a chance. If there's uh, our listeners are out there, they love what they've heard and they want to uh, connect with you more or find out more about you. Um, where would be uh, a best place for them to go on the internet? Um, well, they can just go to Google and type in fail coach. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> There's still nobody else that would call himself or herself a filter. So um, <laughs> no one else I'm, is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still the whole first page of Google. Okay, <laughs> great. Well, I think I mean I will be posting links in the show notes anyway. Uh, but um, I, I think I recall your your website is fail.coach, which is cool. Yes. Uh, yes. And then you also have links to your you know your social media channels and so forth. Well, yes. Yes. All of those. Um, Facebook and LinkedIn are my favorite. So um, I'm mostly there. I do most of the content, I guess, there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are also reposting on many other, um, so yeah, they just type fail, uh, fail coach in Google and they will see everything where we are and then, you know, uh, they can follow whichever they prefer. And you work, it, it looks like you have some groups going on as well as, um, one-on-one -on -one coaching. Is that right? 
Yes, yes, yes. A few, like uh, about a year and a half ago, because I was mostly working with, you know, uh, multiple six, but more seven plus figure entrepreneurs in eight and nine. And one thing that I realized through that coaching was that we always have to go back to the basics. We always have to go back to foundations. And I never liked being the aspirin guy, you know, like you come to me, oh, I have a headache. Well, here, have an aspirin. No, like <laughs> I will start digging, you know, like let's find the root cause. And the root cause is because they never laid foundation from the start. And then it hit me like, oh, if I help new entrepreneurs uh, or early stage entrepreneurs, because it's easier, you don't have many employees and so on. So it's so much easier and faster to implement all the right foundations uh, uh, as early as possible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I started uh, a group program. It's called Framework for Freedom. And uh, my thought was, well, if I teach them at the beginning, they won't need me later on. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm super passionate about it. it it's not easy because um, on in the early stage entrepreneurs, they're dealing with a lot more inner demons. So there's even a lot more work on themselves, uh, but I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like a ton of value for our listeners if they want to know more or get engaged with you. Um, so thank you so much, Mia, for, for, um, for joining us today and for sharing your story, uh, your, you know, your, um, you know, your kind of your origin story, and then also the story of happy and how, how uh, he brought happiness to your life and everything else that we talked about. Um, I always like to wrap things up by saying hell yes together with my guests on the count of three. Our are you willing and ready to do that? Absolutely. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Hell, Hell yes. yes. All right. Thanks so much, Miha. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite RSS feed. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review. And if you want to stay connected, visit hellyeslife.com and sign up for the e-newsletter and private Facebook group. Again, I'm Norman Bell. Thanks for joining me. Now let's get out there and live a hell yes life.